sound familiar to you it's me flo where have i been where have you been i was at the international space development conference and decided to do a couple episodes from there yeah he was really mad at me because i said that he was 25th out of 25th on space nation so he kicked me out for two weeks (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's right said you can't come back until you're nice that was really hurtful (laughs) but now i'm in 24th place so you should have no worries i actually am proud of you champion i was at 19 so it's i'm doing okay i'm hanging in there nice so actually something that they've done on space nation first of all let us welcome all of our youtube watchers viewers because we're recording today is the first time we are recording uh via youtube so if you are listening via audio or youtube welcome it's nice to have you it's nice i'm here but my traditional Lacroix. you are she always has a Lacroix. every episode Lacroix, please sponsor me (laughs) There's only one episode that I haven't drank in LaCroix, and it was because I had no other option. I didn't. I had it, and then I <laughs> I Amazon Primed and forced them to deliver me yeah, three so cases because I needed it. Do that, too. Um, <laughs> so Space Nation, what they've done is um, you used to be able to do all these missions and then either pay 240 coins, which is like the currency that they award you for doing them, so you have plenty of coins. Yeah. Um, can you buy more coins you definitely can of course but the app is just so free you know just so free <laughs> i really haven't spent any money on it yet. oh awesome but, but uh, so you can do that or you can watch a 30 second ad to oh. replenish it so that's when a bunch of people were just going crazy and getting super high rankings and i had to like go every single day now they've taken away the ability to do an ad so everyone's like at a standstill don't know why. Everyone's like, hang on. I'm not going outside anymore. Everyone's like, I'm taking a break. <laughs> Let the asteroid fall. <laughs> I will not run, but I will watch this ad about Lysol. Yes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that's a good change. Nice fun change there. Another fun change uh, in news story is that my wife is really really pregnant pregnant. she's super pregnant oh my gosh i almost cried today today was the last day that we got to work together until she has her baby because i'm going off for a week next week oh that's right yeah and so the next time i see her she's gonna have a little person that looks like her and you wait you're gonna have a blast that's literally our most look forward to event of the year i know i'm freaking stoked so next week i'm going to arizona it's gonna be 112 degrees i do not know what that is like most of our listeners, I feel like, are in the UK, so they have no idea what that is like. But if anyone <laughs> can give me any emotional or practical preparation for being in that kind of weather, please let me know. But I'm going to this massive youth ministry conference. It is so fun. And I've never been, and I'm so excited. It's a I'll blast. bring you back a t-shirt. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I would like more than a t-shirt. But <laughs> no, that comes from me. Finally doing all my laundry and n- my clothes not fitting in my dresser. <laughs> so I'll bring I'm like, you a sticker. Yeah, if you could just bring there me a go. sticker. There we go. 
anyway, I would be grateful for a shirt. So sorry about that, Flo. Um, Speaking of shirts, Tony is an ingrate. And if you want, <laughs> if you want a shirt, we're going to give you the chance to win one with a new contest. It's actually, it was new. It was new. It's new to me. Yes. Because it's the first time I've been here in weeks. But we're going to pick a winner for the t-shirt contest at the end of the episode. And we're going to let you reach out to us. So when we call your name, because we don't know who you are, because you gave us a username. Yeah. We just wrote down a bunch of usernames on pieces of paper and are hoping for the best. It's in. There they are. It's so weird to have a camera right there. It's fun. I would have to keep looking over. You don't have to. I'm. Right. This is my, my news <laughs> Our news anchor. Hello. Here on KRCR <laughs> News, reporting to you from Spaceman Messier. Live. Not live. Oh, we should have gotten blazers. <laughs> Wait, no joke. Well, we could do that next time. Yeah, we're going to start wearing blazers and helmets. <laughs> like okay. bike helmets. Not like astronaut helmets, but just like to be safe and precocious. Yeah. Or precocious. Yes. You know. Very good. Who are, we to, who are we to think? Before we dive into the news, if you have not seen the trailer for the new Winnie the Pooh movie, do yourself a favor and go <laughs> see it. Second of all, let's dive into the news. The news. Oh, so we'll get into your news position again. Do, do, do. We oh, really wait. need sound bites. I didn't even finish. You had more to say? Yeah. I was done with My wife's super kidding. pregnant <laughs> and uh, my baby might be born this week. Oh, yeah. And I'm so excited. I'm going to so, eat her. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah. So... This may be our last episode for just a week break. Um, the week that my daughter comes, I will be taking a week off. So that being said, I I hope that we can give you consistent episodes. Um, <laughs> They're like, that's disrespectful. We I really don't want to record a bunch. The and hospital. then, yeah, sorry. So um, look out for an episode next week. If you don't see one Monday morning at midnight. because he's a dad. That's because I'm a dad. So ah! very so cool. Excited. Or-, <laughs> or I'll be really depressed next Monday when you hear my voice. <laughs> She's still not pregnant, good. still nothing. So, or I just might do my own episode. Um, All about flow. That's what I was just gonna say. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to temper that volume because I just scream. But I was gonna say instead of space the messier. <laughs> you know, flow but messier. Flo. No, flow but messier sounds gross and weird. <laughs> okay. Kind of perverse, but. <laughs> Let me know if you want to know um, fun facts about my life and about the new show that I've been watching, Interior Design Challenge, and the recipes that I've been making because I started cooking. Nice. I made roasted vegetables the other day, which does not sound like much of a feat, but to me, it was an emotional experience. I felt like an adult. Wow. I have an emotional feat as well. I found a healthy version of pasta. Oh, the garbanzo one? No, brown rice pasta. Oh, yeah. I have some of that in my pantry. Oh, it's so good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah. There's also a mushroom version, but the thing, okay, wait, really quick. Let me tell this one story. Okay. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you guys know of the keto diet, but it's oh, yeah. zero carbs. And so my boyfriend, shout out Chase, love you, um, was doing the keto diet for a while. And so I was trying to be a supportive girlfriend. And so we went and I looked up like keto pasta right. and there's this pasta that's made out of mushrooms. Okay. I don't know how, but it is. And they're called like kagasaki noodles or something and so we found them at sprouts and they like looked like noodles and it was like great awesome we went and we cooked them and did you read the instructions before cooking them i did okay but yeah mm -hmm. i read the instructions it was like throw them in the boiling water for two minutes that was it it was like super fast i was so stoked i opened the bag and the most (laughs) horrifying and like 
pungent smell <laughs> came out of the bag. It filled the whole kitchen. It smelled like oh my fishy <laughs> mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that. So not mushrooms, but the something else that's very smelly. Like a baby's diaper or something. But a, it was like... A baby's diaper that's <laughs> bottle fed. Anyway. I don't know the difference. But it was really bad smell. But then once we finally cooked them, you boil the smell out of it. And it stops smelling like rotten fish. Um, and we ate them and they were amazing, right? But they like tasted really good. And that was like two months ago. And so then the other day I went to the store. I saw the noodles in the store. I was like, oh my gosh, like these were awesome. I'm going to make them again. Oh no. But they've been sitting in my fridge because I'm too nervous to open the bag. I thought you were going to say that you opened it and it didn't smell. <laughs> that would be so bad. Like that's not a normal thing. No. <laughs> no, no, no. On, here's the thing. They fessed up to it because on the back of the bag it says, don't worry, the smell will go away once you finish boiling it. Whoa. Yeah, that's how bad they smell. But Dang. they're really good. I don't know why I told you guys that. But if you want to know more about my noodle stories, I will do an episode while Tony goes and has a family. Changes real baby diapers yeah. instead of just smells them from a boiling pot. Makes <laughs> it sound like I do it for fun. <laughs> yeah. What did you do this weekend, Flo? I just smelled a boiling pot of water. And baby diapers. And noodles. Yeah. <laughs> I just boil different things every week. <laughs> it's like a rendition, a gross rendition of Will It Blend. Yeah. That would be good. How does it boil? <laughs> Sorry, somebody's in the building above us and they're stomping. Yeah, we stopped and we listened for a second. Yeah, that was good. But you're probably wondering what I'm wondering. What happened this week? They're like, we get it. You've done the the messier part of the podcast. (laughs) We're ready for the space part. I'm just so excited to talk to everyone. No, that was good. News. NASA. What's up, NASA? Oh, I just realized we don't have any. (gasps) Oh, no. No SpaceX news. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. Uh Uh-oh. They're going to be so mad. They're going to be so (laughs) mad. Elon's going to call us and say he's disappointed That'd be good if he called us. Oh, we did this on purpose. Elon. (laughs) We're rebelling. <laughs> There's no SpaceX news. SpaceX but messier has died. Okay. NASA's Curiosity rover has found new evidence that is preserved in the rocks that suggests that the planet could have supported ancient life. That's super exciting. So today when this article came out, people thought that they found life on Mars and flipped a they flipped out. Like a person? We ha- they thought they found like little people. Yeah. That'd be cute. It yeah you know like i'm picturing like little oh oh like, like very little like yeah like gnomes <laughs> yeah or what are they called the blue people smurfs yeah them. yeah that would be adorable don't hate me because i haven't watched those videos of the smurfs yeah movies oh i was like is there specific videos i used to watch that cartoon it was good i actually just saw peter rabbit it was hilarious yeah why'd you watch peter rabbit tony for my father-in-law's birthday. <laughs> That's the sweetest thing I've ever heard. In he my really wanted life. to watch it. It was so good. It was it, hilarious. It looked good. Oh, nice. Yeah. You're really a dad already. You started the episode by suggesting everyone go watch Winnie the Pooh. Winnie. Okay, dear yeah. God. Mm-hmm. Um, it's happening. <laughs> but basically, you've probably heard this news came out. Um, but you're wondering what this really means. No, it was not little tiny Smurfs. Sadly, I am here to break that news to you. But in order for something to have life, it has to have certain organic molecules or building blocks. And organic molecules contain carbon and hydrogen, and they may also include oxygen, nitrogen, and other elements. They were found in three billion year old sedimentary rocks near the surface of Mars. So this is a big deal because 
um, the way NASA's Jen Aidenbrode put it, the Martian surface is exposed to radiation from space. Um, and it, the reason why it's exposed so much is because it doesn't have a magnetic field like we do. Um, but both radiation and harsh chemicals break down organic matter. So finding ancient organic molecules in the top five centimeters of rock that was deposited when Mars may have had been habitable, it bodes well for us to learn more about the story um, of organic molecules on Mars with future missions that can drill deeper. So basically, actually, this is really interesting because today at work, I was having a conversation with um, my coworker, Wes, who is like my wormhole guy. Like anytime we want to talk about something, like anytime there's something super deep to talk about, I can count on him for completely separating me from work for about 30 solid minutes to just dive into a like theoretical wormhole, which is great. So today we were talking about it and he was asking about um, Mars and why it's so desolate out there because he thought it was still an habitable zone, but he also was under the assumption that planets get closer to the sun as time goes on because the sun has gravity. Now, I, this was he made a really, really good points based on his understanding, um, but it was a really good uh, moment to, I guess, I don't know, help him understand how that all works. So we don't know what happened in Mars's history that makes it so that it doesn't have a magnetic field. What we do know is that it used to have this atmosphere. They think that um, billions of years ago it used to have an ocean. The whole upper hemisphere used to have an ocean. And then solar wind swept through the solar system. We were protected on Earth because we have a magnetic field. Okay. And then the solar wind kept going and it literally swept away the Martian atmosphere. So that's why if you were to go there and take off your space helmet, you would suffocate rather quickly because um, it doesn't have an atmosphere. And so anyway, we were talking about that. And so he thought it was because Mars was getting closer to the sun. But if anybody else thinks that, I'll just tell you in our YouTube video about how stars are made and everything like that, there's a lot of cool visuals about it. But basically, when a star is formed, it a bunch of gas and dust forms together. It all clumps together. And because so much mass is coming together, it, it develops gravity. So it has gravity now that's this huge, massive thing. We all have gravity, right? And so then when it all comes together like that, because it's so dense and because there's so much matter being compacted into such a small space, the energy goes through the roof. There's no roof in space. But it raises. So the energy raises, so the heat raises. And because the heat raises, it's hot enough to create nuclear fusion, which basically means that hydrogen is being converted to helium. And so when hydrogen is converted to helium, it gives out this outward pressure. And then the gravity of all of this mass is pulling it inward. Now, when the outward pressure is equal to the gravity pulling it in, we call that hydrostatic equilibrium. So what that means is that when a star reaches hydrostatic equilibrium, the sun or the star, it stays the same size for a long, long time until the hydrogen fuel runs out. So the hydrogen mixed with the heat is fusing into helium, right? But once the hydrogen is no more, then that star has nothing to go off of and it no longer exerts an outward pressure. The gravity smashes it in and it collapses and explodes, and that's when the star grows, and, and ours is gonna just swell into a red giant, because that's 
Um, our star's too small for it to go big in supernova. But he thought that the star, uh, or that the sun, um, either got bigger or that the planets got closer. And so, fun little tangent there, just so you know, our star is not growing. And I think I, th I think the estimate is like three and a half billion years or 3.75 billion years. Our sun will start to expand into a red giant. But right now, it's staying the same size. And we call these planetary um, trajectories, pathways that they're on, we call them orbits because they're going fast enough to where they're not being sucked into the sun's gravity. So they're balanced. So the sun's pull on them is equal to the force in the direction that their velocity gives them. So planets are not getting any closer to the sun. So that being said, I do not believe that Mars shifting closer to the sun is why it has no atmosphere or why it's such a desolate place. I don't, we don't know what happened there. It just is. Maybe there was a terribly advanced civilization that engaged not in nuclear war, but in atmospheric war. destruction. Whoa. And they left a little bit of methane for us to find. Just a little bit, just a taste, right? And then they also left these um, these little hints in the sedimentary rock. Maybe the Smurfs did this to themselves. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what have we just discovered? NASA, I need you to call me because <laughs> I have some things to tell you. <laughs> We've accidentally made such an important discovery. <laughs> Like that one guy that accidentally found that old uh, satellite. Oh, I yeah. I just figured out Mars. The secret of Mars. <laughs> and we found John Carter there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So life potentially used to be on Mars because we found ingredients for life in super old sedimentary rock. And then the tiny blue people destroyed themselves. With an atmospheric war. <laughs> And that's today's news. <laughs> okay. Here's I'll... the thing. It's not out of the question. I'm just going to say that. If it turns out to be true, I called it. Maybe not blue people. Maybe not people. But I bet they did it to themselves. They deserved what I got. They did deserve what I got. So, moving on to today's topic. We hope you enjoyed that tangent. That was fun. That was all factual. Um, Especially my part. So, today's topic is going to be living on Mars... And the moon. So I Tony's guess that, dream. I was no, please. Oh, the moon, maybe not Mars. Dear God. <laughs> and you're about to found find out why I don't want to live on Mars because I found an expert that can confirm that Mars is a horrible place. So, I don't <laughs> so this will actually be the last episode to cover my experience at the International Space Development Conference. This time I decided to take all the my, the interviews that I did to bring them home because I really missed Flo and I wanted her back on the show and. You guys probably missed her too. Every episode, Flo, I don't know if you listened. I was like, hey, so it's just me here. And I know you guys like Flo better, but uh, we're going to try this out. Um, <laughs> I just give them the real facts with the Smurfs and the uh, the analogies. Yeah. The people just need to know. They really know? do. People are hungry for truth. <laughs> <laughs> so at ISDC, it was... It was astonishing how much there was to learn about what people and companies are doing right now to prepare for Mars and the moon. Mm. So we're talking trekking through the Arctic, students building inflatable and autonomous habitats, and companies long in the making of settlements that will launch into orbit and build on themselves over time. Yeah. So be ready 
to hear what's going on with NASA and private companies and these amazing individuals that some of them Tony got to meet and interview that we're going to include today and what they're doing to prepare us to live in space. Yes. So the first man I heard speak about this, it, it really blew my mind. His name was Pascal Lee. Now, Pascal Lee is a planetary scientist and chairman of the Mars Institute. And in all of those sessions, in all of the chaos of space settlements, Jeff Bezos, student projects, Pascal's presentation stood out to me the most. He works um, in the most desolate place on Earth and tests systems for living and working on Mars. So check this out. So we're, we are running this project called the Houghton Mars Project. It takes place every summer on Devon Island in the Arctic. Devon Island is the world's largest uninhabited island. On it, there is a large meteorite impact crater. It's much larger than the one in Arizona, which is only 0.8 miles in size. This guy is 15 miles across. And in addition, the landscape of Devon Island is incredible. There are canyons, valleys, gullies. The whole place looks like Mars. We call it Mars on Earth. Uh, and we've been going there every summer. I live in California. I lived here for like 22 years. I have yet to spend a summer at a beach in California. Oh. I've been spending all my summers on this godforsaken island that <laughs> is barren, desolate, uh, unvegetated, uh, drenched in solar ultraviolet light in the summer. But I am going to Mars every summer. And what we've been doing up there for, for the past 22 years is two things science and exploration. Science, learning about the place. Why do these canyons look so much like the ones on Mars? Why do these valley networks look so much like the ones on Mars? What is, what is that telling us about Mars? And the gist of what it's telling us is that Mars may not have been this warm and balmy planet in its past that you often hear about. Uh, from our perspective, it's sounding more and more like wishful thinking that we somehow want Mars to be very much like the Earth earlier in its history. Uh, the truth is, all of these features that we're now seeing on Mars that are attributed to liquid water running at the surface of Mars were actually, do not actually imply a warm climate. From what we see on Devon Island, all of these features could have just formed under a very cold climate by, from the melting of ancient ice sheets. So it's still involving liquid water, it's just that the climate wasn't a warm, balmy place. And this is really casting a very different view on what early Mars was like. And we're very excited by that, by that prospect, by that insight that we, we could be gaining in, in what Mars is really like. He's never been to, uh, not a beach, he's never spent a summer in California. Which, if he's from Southern California, is he? Is First it, of all, for those of you who are watching, we just had a major technical breakdown. You're not going to cut any of that? No. Oh. Oh, I'll cut some of that, just of me walking in front of the camera. <laughs> But um, <laughs> the computer gave out on us for a half a second. Yeah, that was fun. So thank you for. Your so time. we're back, back live. <laughs> live and and in control. Here is Tony. Definitely in control. <laughs> but um, sorry about that. So um, anyway, large and in charge. Yes, that, those were the words that I was thinking. Not live and in control. Large and in charge. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we're trying to go. So Pascal said that they were. On Devon Island, this godforsaken island. Which I want to go to so bad. Yeah, which go we're going to make happen. Which, did we mention this? Let's go there. Let's go! We can do that. Can we? What government runs it? 
I think he might actually talk about how we can go there. Really? Let's <gasps> listen. So we actually asked him what he actually does there. Oh, dear. A cruise would be miserable up there. But what does he actually do when he goes to Mars land? I guess. Yeah. Check it out here. The exploration part of our program is probably the one that's better known. Uh, it, we're using this place as a set, basically, to really learn how to explore Mars while doing real science, while really being engaged in the exploration of this place. So we're testing spacesuits, we're testing rovers, both robotic rovers of the, of the future, but also rovers that astronauts will be able to drive. And what we're really learning about is sort of the basics of how do you plan a road trip on Mars. We, we realize that if you set up a base on Mars, it's a good first step, but you're there to explore the planet, you're gonna need a means, some means to get around. In every science fiction movie, you see pressurized rovers, which are these sort of motorhomes that astronauts ride around in. They're, they're, they're comfortable inside the rover. They're, you know, just wearing shirt sleeves. Uh, and then they put on a spacesuit to, to go outside to explore. Well, this, this whole mode of operation of trying to understand how you're gonna use pressurized rovers to explore the moon and Mars down the road, uh, what types of dangers do you need to be aware of? How, how do you manage your time? How much time can you actually dedicate to science on one of these road trips versus just getting there before you run out of oxygen, for example? Uh, all of these things are being worked as we speak on Devon Island. So um, to me, it's like this annual pilgrimage to Mars. It's not the real thing, but at this point, it's still the closest that we have. That is insane that there is a place on Earth that is a comparable environment to test spacesuits on. Yeah, it's actually, okay, so I hope that I had the opportunity on the video to find these images that he was referring to. Basically, um, basically the, the regolith of Mars is so like not good for us yeah. that you can't just get in to your uh, rover without kicking your boots and bringing all this muddy tracks into your place. Because then when you undress, like for those of you who have seen Mark Watney in um, The Martian, the movie The Martian, super good movie, he just like fully undresses in his uh, rover, but he's brought in, tracked in like so much Martian regolith. So what they are actually doing is they have this rover and because it's a pressurized environment, it needs to be really, really, um, not uh, spherical, real super spherical, um, and so the the spacesuits, the astronaut suits, are actually on the back of. So it's like, sorry, if it's like a truck, and here's like the truck head, and then like the bed of the truck, mm -hmm. the astronauts are like here, and then you enter them from the back of the truck. You're inside the truck, and then you open like a door and get in the suit, and then you're outside. Oh, wow. very cool. So I hope that I was able to get an image of that, but. Um, one of the things Pascal said is that a movie still has yet to come up or to um, to display the 100% correct way in which things should be um, built on Mars. So correct as in like most efficient. Mm -hmm. So like the ones in The Martian and the ones in um, another movie he mentioned that I forget um, are really not ideal for the Martian environment. So that's those are the kinks they're working out. And... I'm deciding to write a book so that I can include everything that's correct. Really? Why not? 
We can do it. I have time. Baby, podcast, master's program, full-time job. Let's do this. Easy. Easy. <laughs> I just need one more thing to add on. Jenna's at home like, no, <laughs> no. Um, anyway, so, um, so yeah. So the last thing I got to ask him, which is my favorite question. Well, my second favorite question. My favorite question is what advice they have for young explorers. But the question I got to ask him is how we can get involved. Uh, is there a way that we can learn more about what he does, the work he does, or even, I don't know, go to Devon Island or get involved ourselves? Tell me that there's a cruise that takes you up there. The project is run by the Mars Institute with funding from NASA. Uh, the website of the Mars Institute is marsinstituteinoneword.no. Uh, we're a global organization, even though we're U.S.-based, the, the website is based in Norway. Uh, we like polar regions in general. Uh, so, uh, but um, marsinstitute.no, and so you can find more about the Helton Mars project there. We have opportunities for, for media, for students, graduates, undergraduates each year to come up. Uh, it's, I mean, it's really selective in the sense that you have to have a real specific purpose for being there. Right. Uh, but everybody who, who that I know who has gone up there and come back is, you know, I, I know has a different perspective on, on not just our planet, because that's a really interesting and remote corner of our planet, but also on how challenging a mission to Mars will be. And that's good. It's like a, a bucket of cold water that you toss onto somebody, you know, to wake them up. And we tend to have this vision that uh, you know, Mars will be this welcoming, friendly place that's just begging to be nudged climatically to be more, you know, favorable for, for Earth life. The truth is, it's a, it's a horrible place. It's a horrible place, but it's, it's really beautiful, and there's a lot at stake there because we're talking about the search for, for alien life. Basically, what I just heard is that I'm going to fake Mars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you said you have to have a really good reason. Media and students. I am both. I am both. We're going to Mars. Fake Mars. All right. Stay tuned. Oh. Actually, I wonder how long. He goes for the whole summer. We could probably go for I a I can weekend. bring my child, right? Probably. <laughs> Those would be like good conditions for a newborn infant. I feel like that'd be good research. How does baby do with hot red? Whoa. Major breakthrough. Okay. So, first of all, Pascal, if you are listening, thank you so much for speaking to us and educating us about all that. It's really, really exciting. Second of all, you... Okay, so if any viewers or listeners are listening in Russia, I just want to say that I am sorry for all the Americans that try to speak in a Russian accent and that make you guys sound like total idiots. Did I just do that? No. Okay, oh. so what you said yeah. is like the words that people normally say. Uh-huh. The I because I'm learning Russian, I've learned that the because reason Because I'm learning Russian, mm, I'm like so I impressive. like really <laughs> Because I'm training to be a freaking astronaut. Okay. <laughs> I need to read the panels inside the Soyuz capsule so I'm becoming not fluent but uh a working understanding of Russian. Yeah. It's no big deal. But anyways, so <laughs> the reason why Russians speak like that when they learn English is because in the Russian language, they don't have articles. The, the a. Yeah. It's just, he, I go it. bed. 
little bit. <laughs> That's sick. Maybe not that as an example, but like, um, it's just thes. They don't have thes. So like when they come into English, they just say the word. So where is bear? Yeah. That's amazing. I think it's actually more like where bear. Where bear? I don't I, know. It just sounds more efficient to me. It really does. So. And I could be to- totally like that wrong. Episode totally of- wrong. But that's my understanding of it so Some far. Some Russian is watching and they're like, this guy's a friggin' idiot. Articles? We have a thousand of them. Yeah. Actually. You just can't hear them. Yeah. <laughs> you're just too dumb. It's like, oh, you're God. making it sound like that episode of The Office where <laughs> Kevin decides to cut out words and he's like, it's more efficient this way. Me go paper sell. And you're like, aren't you wasting more time by making us ex- like explaining it to us? No. I'm still in season seven of The Office. Oh, I'm proud of you, though. Yeah. You're really moving. Michael Scott just did the thing that he does in season seven. Yeah. Everyone knows that Michael leaves. Oh, okay. The show's been over for like 10 years. But like, it was They don't sad. know why he leaves. Or also, if you haven't watched The Office, by this time, it's your fault. That's like not watching Lost. Also, um, Hedwig dies and uh, oh my God. Voldemort was Tom Riddle. What are you doing? I'm just telling people facts that they should know. Really, really bad. Okay, so um, this is really bad, actually. So we were in Please line. Please get serious. Stop smiling wherever you are and close your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> we were, so we, um, I have to say, my, I am like a space fan now, total nerd, but that nerddom was focused and shifted in a different area when I was growing up. You guys have all heard I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. When I'm talking huge, I mean, I, we waited in line to see the movies when they came out at midnight. Everyone we, did that, though. We camped for eight days. That's bizarre and disgusting. In the front of the line. <laughs> and we dressed up, and we would reenact all the scenes. And, and you went home and took showers in between? <laughs> really smelly. This was during the school week. So we had to take shifts while some of us went to class, came back. Where was the competition? Like, who else was like, oh, man, who was behind you for the first seven days? A less impressive version of myself. Really? Yeah. I'm a three personality, type three, so I have to achieve. And my value is derived from what I achieve. Yeah. Do you know that you're a human being, not a human doing, Tony? Oh, wow. It's not about what you do. It's about what you are. So that's the mindset that I need to strive for, and that's what I end up having when I am integrating. But I, that's really well, hard. Well, you are for, talking Enneagram, yeah. right? It's really I'm hard. I'm type for, three, though, too. Really? Or I'm a, or I have a three wing. I think you're two wing three. What's the three title? Achiever. <laughs> so when I'm really unhealthy, I define my worth and value based on my accomplishments. No, yeah, so do I. That's why I was telling you you're not a human doing because I have to tell you that like every day. Yeah, I had a friend tell me that over text, and just that's all he said. He said, don't worry about what you do. Um, just worry about being the best version of yourself. And Matthew that's, Kelly? What? Is it Matthew Kelly? Is it Matthew Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't heard this man talk, but I have a feeling he's got a really rich Australian accent. This might be New Zealand, actually. I don't really know. Maybe I'm offending a lot of people right now. <laughs> Anyways. What were we talking about? Oh, how you don't shower for a week. That's yeah. Disgusting. Oh, right, right, right. So, oh, right. The tangent. The nerd. So it was Harry Potter 6, Half-Blood Prince. We were waiting in line. My sister Kelsey still had not read the book, but she was reading it in line. She ended up finishing it as the previews were going. Hey. But we were playing Harry Potter trivia in line, and somebody asks her, what does Dobby's tombstone say? And she just started, like, welling in tears. 
It was so sad. She had no idea Dobby died in that book. In the next book. In the next book. Well, suck it up, kiddos. (laughs) So, after speaking with Pascal, I went to a session on the development. (laughs) Yeah, that was a really swift transition. Basically, Michael leaves the office. Michael leaves the office. Dumbledore dies on page. Mars is real, and it's here on Earth, and and we want you to come with us. And live there. And Smurfs killed everyone. And, you know, keep your eyes out for my latest book. Anyway. And mine. How I Manage. Very good, Flo. <laughs> or is it somehow I manage? Yeah, somehow there I manage. Somehow I manage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch that one. Very good. It's so good. Guys, please watch The Office. Yeah. It's the best. And the exp- they're too busy catching up on The Expanse. Carl's Bacon? No. There's this show I watched, Carsmos, Carl's Bacon. Oh, no. That's different. Take a sip of water every time. <laughs> Take a shot every time I mention Cosmos, a space-time odyssey. <laughs> Or Elon Musk, we could easily make a super hydration space messier game. Super hydration. That's a really good. I'm not going to encourage people to take shots because I don't know how old they are. Also, shots are kind of terrifying. But water, take a sip of water every time XYZ would be super easy because we are very formulaic. We're here at Space But Messier <laughs> to keep you updated on spaceflight astronomy and to keep you hydrated. So <laughs> take a shot of water every time you hear me Coming say Elon Musk. Coming from the person that has drank in two bottles of water in two days. Me? Me. I oh. suck. Oh. Yeah. I'll start saying Elon Musk more. Mm-hmm. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Drink. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So moving on. So um, after speaking with Pascal, I went to a session on the development of lunar colonies and learned what private companies and NASA are doing in this area. Many people think that right now NASA is dead and doing nothing ever since it stopped the shuttle program. And you're wrong. And when it comes to the moon, and you're, you're wrong. rude. <laughs> You're just rude. <laughs> so first thing you should know is that in 2009, NASA sent the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter to orbit the moon on an exploration mission. Now, this exploration mission was focused on supporting the extension of human presence in the solar system. And LRO, or Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter, continues to help identify sites close to potential resources with high scientific value. So favorable terrain and the environment necessary for safe, future robotic and human lunar missions so the first step, LRO is searching for a place for us to live. Mm-hmm. Another thing that you should know is that NASA is currently planning and building a lunar orbital platform gateway, which is also known as... LOPG. I can't not think of PUBG when I hear LOPG. What's PUBG? It's a video game. It's like all the people... Sounds nerdy. Started this will be... PUBG, and-, <laughs> and then the people who weren't good at PUBG went to Fortnite. Oh. You've heard Fortnite. Fortnite's freaking hard. Yeah. This um, LOPG will be an orbiting space station around the moon. And it's a crew-tended gateway in lunar orbit, and it's going to be used as a staging point for missions that are going to be going to the moon and Mars and a platform for science in general. And it's also going to bring commercial and international partnerships as well as develop landing capabilities. (laughs) Flip the tassel on your capabilities, everyone. (laughs) It's graduation season. Um... (laughs) develop landing capabilities for future planetary missions so keep your ears peeled yeah Yeah. open for one of these international partnerships because it will be surprising for you so right now we're using you know yeah who no like i'm gonna say it in a second oh (laughs) (laughs) i thought you got secret info at your conference no i didn't (laughs) so right now 
We're using the International Space Station to test capabilities for living in space. In 2020, they're gonna launch the SLS, which is the Space Launch System, and the Orion capsule, which is where humans are gonna live, into cis-lunar space. That's the space around the moon. Then they wanna to go to the surface of the moon with commercial landers. That means that landers that are made from commercial companies, not NASA. And then Mars is still part of the plan. The Mars 2020 rover is um, gonna be sent to Mars in 2020 to learn how to separate oxygen from the atmosphere so that we can live there. So cool. That's why we haven't gone there, everyone. Like, there's a lot of stuff we need to do to get ready. Also, because they just want everyone to go to Devon Island first. Yeah. Trying to up the tourism. Yeah. Um, NASA is actually allowing six commercial companies to build lunar habitats. And NASA is going to take the best parts of those to develop their own blueprint for a standard build that can be copied. Um, and the speaker actually asked if you have any great ideas of scientific experiments to include on the space station, please send it their way. That's crazy. Just like That's that episode awesome. where we were interviewing um, Robert Salazar, I think yeah. his name was, the JPL scientist. Yeah. He said, oh, yeah, just call us anytime. We'll pick up the phone. I'm like, we're going to freaking call you. We still haven't. We should. We should do that on our next episode. Mm -hmm. I'll try and do that when I'm we holding my newly born babe. Baby. Hey, I have a newly born baby. Uh, can you just say hi to her and tell us what the difference is in the birth of stars? I don't know. Something. That time, um, time dilation. Time dilation. Could you tell my baby about time dilation? She's listening. <laughs> <laughs> so LOPG is being built as a jumping off point for deep space missions. This is everything that NASA is doing right now to prepare. Um, they're planning several robotic missions to the moon as well, including 13 CubeSats. They're going to go into lunar orbit in 2020. They're, they're building something called the Lunar Flashlight, which is to search for ice in craters in the lunar polar regions. Lunar Flashlight. NASA and their names. They're is so good. Is it going to be from here? No, it's going it to be like an orbiting there? satellite that like you can think of as like a spotlight that searches for ice. <gasps> can I tell one more funny story? Yeah. You totally, I don't know if you noticed this the other night. Actually, I don't think I want to tell it. You talking about the light? Yeah. That was, okay. So for those of you who um, are offended by hearing about religious experiences, then you can just stop listening. But um, we were doing a worship night at a friend's house and we were all uh, praying and stuff in the living room. And then. I don't know what this seemed like from your point of view, but. And then all of a sudden I look outside and Flo is laying on the grass on her back and the automatic sensor light is shining on her and I couldn't tell if she was laughing or crying. And that's all I knew. Okay, you pretty much got it right. So I had to leave the worship night because I was just having a rough night. So I went off to have like to go to confession and to go pray. I came back and I had been crying a lot. And oh, wow, I'm telling a lot of people this story. Um, but <laughs> I've been crying a lot. And then I was on the phone with my boyfriend crying. And then he like calmed me down. He's an angel. And so I was like calm enough to be, I was like, okay. And I drove back to the house. But I didn't want to be around a bunch of people because like, why would I? And then I looked and they had the windows wide open and they were playing like one of my favorite songs. And I saw like right under the window there was like the front lawn and I saw that there were no trees above it so I could have like a perfect view of the stars and I just wanted to look at the stars and like not talk to anyone not be in this like packed house so I just walked over and I was like just going straight towards the lawn I get on the driveway as soon as I get on the driveway these massive freaking might as well have been a lunar flashlight because it was so bright 
like blasted on me. And so I was like, okay, it'll turn off in a second. But I was already like alarmed and like shaken because it was so bright. And so then I I just flopped down and laid down on the grass anyways. And then I started like laughing and crying because like, I don't know, God was just telling me stuff. And it was just like really ironic that it was the light wouldn't turn off. And so then Tony's wife and sat with me came and sat with me and I was just sitting there like crying and laughing on this front lawn with very bright lights in my eyes and people walking by just being like, Oh, I wonder if Flo's okay. <laughs> it was so weird. So the moral of that I story is look at the stars. <laughs> you can't look at the stars with light pollution. That's... <laughs> it was so embarrassing. Nobody actually saw you out there. You know that. Some people some people said that they saw me walk up and then just drop. <laughs> <laughs> and one girl thought that I was going to hide behind the window and pop up and scream and scare <laughs> everyone while they were singing. And I was like, that would have been hilarious, but I am not that bold. <laughs> so lunar flash nights sound great, and I have a lot of experience with bright lights. So if anyone wants me to work on that project, I would be happy to. So additionally... Um, Lockheed Martin is testing a new infrared camera for the surface of the moon. And here it is, everyone. NASA has a partnership with the Korean Space Agency to test an imager for the permanent shadows of craters on the moon. Permanent shadows as in there's craters deep enough and in the right space, the place on the moon where it's eternal darkness. It never gets light. However, there are also places on the poles of the moon that are eternal daylight. They always get light. And that's where we're trying to set up base. So if wow. we can get – here's the thing. Here's what I learned at the conference. Basically, the SparkNotes version is we're trying to get to the poles of the moon because that's where all the ice is. There's literal water ice there. But we're trying to get in a crater because the craters are deeper and that's where more ice is going to be. But if we can station ourselves at the top of one of the craters that has eternal sunshine, then we'll have e- sunshine forever up top. We'll have all these solar panels to power our thing. And then we can go down and get our huge source of water – that is the most ideal thing. Yeah. So that's what we're working on right now. That's awesome. And NASA is also making arrangements with commercial companies to try and get equipment that they can have permanently stationed there so that when we go to that permanent light base, Eternal sunshine. Eternal sunshine. There will be equipment that is there and ready to use for humans. And they've also formed a new program called the Lunar Discovery and Exploration Program, where they hope to fly multiple and frequent science missions to the surface of the moon using commercial landers. Yeah. They're doing stuff. So this is something that's really, really cool. A way that NASA is growing is that they're leaning on commercial companies way more because, let's be honest, like SpaceX found a way to make spaceflight so much cheaper. Mm -hmm. Blue Origin is doing the same thing. NASA can save so much money and do so much more. So... All good things. So um, they'll slowly be scaling up to human-sized landers. So in 2022 and 2024, they'll send those mid-sized sedan-sized landers. Just kidding. They'll send mid-sized <laughs> landers that can hold like 500 to 1,000 kilograms. And this will act as like ascent stages for future return missions. So it's like a rocket that they're going to place down there so that humans, once they get there, they can get in that thing and then come back home. And it'll act as infrastructure infrastructure for us to live and work while we're there. Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So NASA is doing a lot. A little bit of a recap. That was a lot of things with a lot of tangents in between. <laughs> so we're going to cover all the tangents. Recap of all the tangents. <laughs> I cried on the lawn. Getting. <laughs> um, so they have the LRO searching for landing sites, which is the Lunar Reconnaissance. Yep. Orbiter. 
orbiter. Um, they also have the 2019 slash 2020 human returned to moon in Orion. And then in 2022, the first element gateway will be launched. And then LOPG is going to have its initial capabilities launched and integrated in 2024. Gosh, things are moving. Mm-hmm. And then commercial landers in 2024 that are going to grow to human scale. So that might sound like a lot, but we are preparing so that when we get there, we can stay there and everything is ready and set. And a few steps are taken care of before humans are even there. Yeah. So after this really informative session with the NASA representative, I was able to catch up with Joshua Castro, CEO of InStars, a company um, that's designing inflatable lunar habitats for the moon and eventually Mars. In fact, this could be one of the companies that NASA contracts to build a habitat, which would be really, really cool. Although they're, they're still in their early stages, you have to hear what they're building. Well, my name is Joshua Castro. I'm the founder and CEO of Finstars. Uh, first of all, I started this company over six months now. The purpose was to create awareness in the space industry because in Puerto, we're located at Puerto Rico. And in Puerto Rico, the, don't, not much people know about what's happening in the space industry and the space exploration sites. So when Hurricane Maria passed, I don't know if you heard about that, yeah. I came to the States, I started working on, uh, I had different jobs, and I paid my way to go to the Kennedy Space Center. I haven't, I'd never been to the Kennedy Space Center, so I had a job, I got to the Kennedy Space Center, Cape Kennedy Space Center, bought my ticket, and I went there and I saw, I had this spark in me that I had when I was a kid. I wanted, I always wanted to be an astronaut. So I came to the Kennedy Space Center, realized that in my university, we don't have nothing space related. So I wanted to create a nonprofit organization to create awareness within my, my university and then expand it through Puerto Rico. So through the brainstorming, I realized that we have uh, we had a great idea, a great uh, product to, to launch, so I decided to create a company instead. I, I always wanted to create a company. I, I, don't, I don't like working for other people, so I decided, let, let me make my company about something I'm really passionate about. So, uh, we started uh, in late January. We got incorporated. We found a great team of interns. They have worked uh, this past few months, uh, countless hours, developing our concept, developing uh, the location, creating the structure and the platform of what InStar is going to be all about. So we worked throughout this whole six months. We had the opportunity to to come here to the International Space Development Conference, and we have had a lot of uh, people who are interested in our company, people who are interested in the way we are developing these technologies. Right now we're trying to work on the life support system to create, to apply that technology here on Earth. We want to start here on Earth on the self-sustainable part of our lunar base. And throughout the years, we want to expand through the moon, Mars, and across the solar system. So he, he formed a company to build a sustainable lunar colony. Now, I know we want to hash this all out, but I want you to hear the details of what they're building. So their session was all about this inflatable lunar base. It sounds absolutely crazy, but you have to hear about it. Well, Remnant, that, that's the name of the lunar base. Uh, Remnant is a self-sustainable lunar base that we would estimate to be launched by mid-2020s. Its capacity is about eight people, 
It has a volume of uh, 1,200 meters squared, I believe. And what we want to do is create, is break that social uh, status that people have that space engineering is really hard. We are a couple. We are a couple of undergrad students working on this uh, space technology. Yeah. So if people see that younger generations are working in this technology, this advanced tech, they are more likely to come to the space industry. And we believe, personally, I believe that millennials are the key to space exploration. Flo, you're the key to space exploration. Are we millennials? I think we are. I am. What year is the? You cutoff? are. You're not that much older than me. I think '89 is the first year that people are. Millennials? Yeah, so we're both millennials. Yeah. So, just to give you an idea, he's 19 years old. That's awesome. Formed his own company. His CTO is also 19 years old. They have interns working for them at their university. And they're building... I know that he didn't get into a lot of it in this interview, but during the session, they described it. It's going to be like... Think of like a... Kind of like a cylinder that is super compact that's like the size of a school bus, I think. Um, they'll put it on like a Falcon Heavy. They'll launch it to the moon. It'll land on the moon somehow. I don't really know how that's being done or if um, SpaceX is going to land it or whatever. But it's going to land on the moon. It's going to be on the floor. And then automatically it'll cut in half and move apart from each other. And a huge inflatable portion will blow up in the middle. And those will be like igloo type doors. And it's legit. Like they showed us a whole proof of concept and everything, and it looks awesome. And all they have to do is build a prototype, then build one that works for lunar environment, and send it on a rocket. So mid twenty twenties, I totally believe them. That's awesome. Yes. Do you have any images? Um. Yeah, I'll look for some. Maybe you can stick them in here. Yep. And if you don't want to watch this on YouTube, then you can look at the blog post. That's awesome. If you didn't know, we publish a blog post on every episode, and it's basically a textual recap anyway so i asked them you guys are so freaking young like so young in a good way but you're they're presenting to all these people at the isdc who are super experienced in the space industry so i had to ask them how it felt to bring this new type of energy to the conference it's it's pretty um exciting for me because the way i want to present in stores to other people is that we are different from anybody else. So when people like the old people, like they're a bit skeptical with us. So I found when, when they are skeptical with me, I, I understand we're doing the right thing. Because if we are different, we are trying to create something fresh, something new. We're trying to make space accessible for everyone and interesting for the younger generations. Because people think that if you're going to space, those are just the selected ones, the, the chosen one, yeah. So what, what we want to do at Einstein, what I personally want to do is that anything that you are interested in, any, any passion you have, it can be applied to the, the space industry. Anything. Yeah, absolutely. We need hot dog stands in uh, Mars. We need pizza places. If you like uh, selling baseball cards, we need that in, um, in Mars. And I, I believe we have a nice career and a nice path that we're heading on. We sure are younger. We sure need, we're humble to gain knowledge. Any feedback, we're always trying to get feedback from the older generation. We have to learn from them. But now is, now is our time. Now is the younger generation's time. Now is the time for us to, to leave our own legacy. 
now is our time to work and start creating this advanced new tech and expand throughout the solar system. And this is this is going to be our legacy. Like the millennials are going to be the ones who took the greatest adventure, the greatest adventure of mankind. Isn't that awesome? That is amazing. He's so inspiring. His yeah. work ethic and his, his whole tenacity. team was inspiring. They they were all there. They were all pretty young, and they were all you could tell they were all really hard workers. Like what they were building, they they spend a lot of time on this. So look out for instars. That's gonna be, I don't know. That'll be so cool to know that. I don't know. His presentation was just as professional and impressive as everyone else's, mm-hmm. and so I feel like actually feeling like they're gonna do it is exciting. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Especially from where he came from and stuff like that. It's really cool. Yeah. He had to come here after the hurricane. And he was like, yeah, I came here and I, I went straight to the Kennedy Space Center. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So Joshua Castro, thank you very much. And Pascal Lee from earlier, thank you so, so thank much. Thank you guys so much. Um, and don't forget to check out uh, Pascal's book, Mission Mars, uh, which is out. And super, super cool. Actually, you can look it up online. It has a scholastic page on it. But I think it's time. It's contest time. So... We have our bucket here. Tony, you pick. I don't want to look. Post-it notes are stuck together. All right. This week's winner is Ashley TH. But. I know who, I don't know who that is, but I was looking at the reviews today and she left one like last week or something or last, pretty recently. And it was really, oh yeah. I just pulled it up. Yes, Ashley TH, you are the winner. Congratulations. We don't actually yeah. know who you are. Oh, okay. Um, so you're going to have to email us. Uh, you can email us at spacefootmessier at gmail.com. How do we prove that it's her? Well, guys, don't email us if you're not Ashley TH. Actually, let's see what yeah. kind of funny ones we get. But the Ashley, I can actually double check with iTunes what her email address is. So we're good. Yeah. Thank you for your kind words. Do you want to hear it? No, read it. Yeah. It's so hard to find a podcast that caters to the young adults who may not have as much scientific experience as they dream of having, a.k.a. me. I love Tony and Flo and how they make the topics in, I'm interested in so relatable and easy to understand. Plus, they're funny, enthusiastic, which helps get me through the workday. Ashley, that is so nice. What if we her love name's you? not Ashley? What if her name's TH? Ashley's her last name. TH, thank you so much. Yeah, this is really, I literally, this. No, it's awesome. Oh, there's some really we nice We love it reviews. so much. Thank you. And thank you for leaving a review. Thank you. Yeah. There was like no contest going at the time that she left that review, I don't think. Yeah, she so had it in for before. Just out of the kindness of your heart, telling us your feedback. That's really kind. Um, that was it. This is a long episode. It is. And thank I told you, you for a lot sticking of with stories. us. YouTube viewers got way more stories during this little break where the computer kind of cacked out on us. Yeah, so we totally crashed, and then we kept the camera rolling. So if you want to see how we handle really dire situations, you can check us out on YouTube. Tony gets to fixing things, and I just start talking about bugs. But (laughs) thank you so much for listening. Thank you again um, to Pascal and Jason. Yes, and we – no, not Jason. Joshua. <laughs> oh, no. And we finally have hit the mark on Patreon to where we can afford a t-shirt giveaway every single month. Yeah. So look out for that. Okay. Um, and then we're still able with the extra that we have able to save up for all the events that we want to go to, or at least we're on our way to. So thank you so much for everyone who's supporting us so far. And yeah, keep mm-hmm. listening and we'll 
See you guys next week. And join us as we set sail on a special cruise yes. to Devon, Mars. Devon Island. <laughs> Have a great rest of your week, guys. Oh, I forgot to say happy day. Have a happy day. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Roger, Tranquility. We copy you on the ground. You got a bunch of guys about to turn blue. We're breathing again. Thanks a lot. That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. Oh, he's definitely an e-ticket.